0: morning, Crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got Mr. Johnny Crypto Gonzo, the Crypto Goliath Jackie the crypto juggernaut, and a man who rose to the top through dedication and insightful Twitter threads. Jeremiah is in the building and flexing on our listeners. Thank you for making time for us today. Super excited for this episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how quant is considered the key to the metaverse. Breaking down the barriers between blockchains, we show our listeners how quant is poised to become a four-digit token. Michael Saylor is stepping down as CEO of MicroStrategies while Robinhood's crypto division is fined $30 million by U.S. regulators. With the Ethereum merge closer than ever, our group dispels a number of claims about the highly anticipated move. We have a document from the Indian Central Bank claiming that RippleNet may be utilized for cross-border payments. With over 1.5 billion residents in their country, we show our listeners how the adoption of ODL could turn 589 into a reality. Impel is changing the world of finance after adding BTC to its ISO messaging system. With the protocol set to go live in early 2025, we debate if Bitcoin can keep up with other ISO compliant tokens. The CFTC is becoming more powerful than ever as Bitcoin and Ethereum are considered commodities under the Loomis bill. As power is slowly moving away from the SEC, we show our listeners how generational wealth may be closer than you think. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Mr. Johnny Crypto, typically we would start with you on this beautiful day, but we got a very special guest this morning. Jeremiah is in the building. Thanks for making time for us, my friend. I'd love to give you a chance to just tell our listeners what you're all about. What are some of the tokens that you take pride in investing in and talk about the amazing Twitter threads you do on your account?
1: Yeah, for sure. First of all, I just want to say it is an honor to be here with you guys. I listen to you guys every single day, and you guys give us the great, greatest content in the world. Um, you know, about your geopolitics, you know, you wrap into macroeconomics, cryptocurrencies. Whenever you have that combination, it's hard to find on any YouTubes or anything that you find nowadays. Uh, but yeah, I am Jeremiah. J Jeremiah Crypto is my Twitter. I dive deep dive into a lot of these big name coins like the ISO tokens um, and just a couple of things that catch my eye. I like the big partnerships. I would say my biggest um, where my eyes are at, I would say XTC, Algorand, Quant. I have been digging into DAG lately, Constellation. Constellation has a pretty nice network. The technology there is superior. Expect that thread coming out this week. And I've been dragging that one along a lot lately, but that's because I wanted to wait for the show to talk about it first. <laughs> That's um, awesome.
0: And we got a bunch of amazing stuff prepared. I'm ready to pick your brain this morning, so I hope you brought the energy. We got Mr. Johnny Crypto in the building. Mr. Johnny Crypto, how you feeling on this beautiful Wednesday? And thanks for making time for us, my friend.
2: I'm always feeling great in paradise. It's wonderful to be here on ABS's backyard, uh, back deck, enjoying this view. Uh, It's great to uh, see my brothers and sisters, Gonzo and Jackie. And, of course, Jeremiah, I'm super excited to have him on the show. He and I did a couple Twitter spaces together in the past. I love this stuff. He's very, very, uh, he's super intelligent. So, Jeremiah, happy to have you on the show. Can't wait to dive into it. And let's not forget, good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there who show up every day. Love you guys. And uh, let's hop into it amazing johnny
0: thank you so much jeremiah he just called you super intelligent but after talking to you backstage that may be an understatement we got gonzo the crypto goliath in the building gonzo you're not rocking the diamonds hands gear but you're rocking the bull run sweatshirt this morning how are you feeling on this wednesday and thanks for making time for us my friend
3: yeah good
4: morning everybody yeah it's a little cooler where i'm at right now so i got my you know bull run sweatshirt on but good morning everybody you know good morning jeremiah super excited to be here with him. Uh, I remember like uh, one of the first times I kind of interacted him on on Twitter had to do with XDC. Like I was talking about like, oh, you know, I kind of I feel like not I missed the boat, but like I was kind of lagging behind and he was like, no, brother, it's just starting out. So I love watching his or or reading his research because, uh, you know, like uh, Abzo says, I'm seven, So I have to kind of pick and choose my time, what I'm doing and try to find some balance. So it's nice to be able to go to his Twitter and then kind of just get the bullet points. So it's really, really awesome. But yeah, excited to be here. And it's another great day in the Matrix.
0: Another beautiful day in the Matrix, my friend. And we got Jackie in the building this morning. Jackie, thank you for making time for us. I'm not going to tease you about being late because you were not late this morning. But how are you feeling on this beautiful Wednesday? And it's always good to see you.
3: Oh, it's good to see you guys. I love being here. Um, I was a little bit late this morning. I won't lie. Um But but I'm doing better. I'm doing better. I was actually coming from a different meeting, so that's okay.
0: (laughs) Of course. But doing great.
3: I'm excited for the show. As always, we're going to get this thing started
0: the same way we always do by showing you guys our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. At 3TGM Crypto on Twitter, you get access to every single one of us, and we will be live this Thursday at 8 p.m. So if you're looking to hear Johnny Crypto Talk, that's the place to do so. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index, we're still in moderate fear this morning, climbing slightly and sitting at a 34 we're going to go right past this and dive into the total coin market cap because we're getting a little bit of bearish, price, bullish price action this morning. We are sitting at $1.08 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 41% dominance and Ethereum is 19%. Guys, this happens every couple of weeks. I've been kicked out of my coin market cap account, so I'm going to kick it over to Johnny Crypto and let him talk for a minute while I get signed in. What's on your mind, Johnny K?
2: Yeah, it sounds like the big boys are locking you out over there, but uh so... Yeah, I think it's a, it's interesting that we're getting a little bit of a, a push-up as we see here. As we kind of talked about that, we thought we would see a little bit of a, a trend up going in towards the end of the summer. That makes total sense. We all know how this works, right? We've got sell in May and go away. And so while people go away, uh, the elites sell before them. And then what do the elites do? They buy in before all the people come back from vacation. So they're all going to be buying in right now and getting ready to dump on everybody once they come back from vacation in September and October. So I, I think we'll, we'll get a nice little steady run, and we've seen that already in some altcoins, and we've seen it also in BTC kind of getting a little bit of a pump. So I think we'll continue to see a little bit of that, a little uprising till September maybe. And then, of course, I think that's when at some point in there they'll they'll rug pull everybody, and, and then I think it's going to be a painful way down in October, November, December. But So that's kind of my gut. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's kind of what I'm thinking, or that's how I'm playing it, I should say.
0: Selling may walk away, but always remember return in September, Johnny Crypto. We got Bitcoin sitting at twenty three thousand three hundred dollars this morning. Ethereum is sixteen hundred. XRP thirty seven cents. Cardano is fifty cents. Solana, which we are going to talk about, they had a hack on their network today, is still sitting at forty dollars. Avalanche is twenty three dollars. Kronos fourteen cents. Stellar is eleven cents. Algorand is $0.33, and we'll scroll down to Quant, which is almost $105 this morning. My friend Jeremiah, I would love to go back to you. You do so many amazing Twitter threads on your Twitter, talking about ISO-compliant tokens. What are some of the tokens that you're watching right now, and how are you operating during a bear market like this?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, to me, XTC is so huge, and so is Algorand. Algorand to me is kind of like how Cardano is to Johnny or how you know Adam is to uh, Mario, for me, it's Algorand. It's just that one coin that I cannot stop stacking. I love Algorand. And they're, they're, you know, they're really slept on as well. XDC. They say Quant and HBAR are also ISO. Who knows nowadays? But those are other coins and their technology that I'm also investing in as well. Um, I'm pausing the break so far when it comes to dollar cost averaging. I'm waiting for this next little um, pump upwards. Might sell percentages here and there, and then I plan on definitely stacking up towards you know the end of the year.
0: Johnny Crypto, you always talk about how you're an advocate of Cardano. What is keeping your attention right now, and what are some of the tokens that you're watching during this bear market? We're getting a little bit of bullish price action, and Twitter seems to be very excited. But you've been saying that we were going to get a pump in July, and then a, a a lower low after that point. So what are you watching right now?
2: Yeah, I think we got the pump in July. I think we'll get the dump in September, October. Um, you know, I'm certainly stacking the ones that I've always liked. So all the ISO 2000s, Algo, Cardano, obviously, you know, one I just stacked just recently, I think it was yesterday or the day before is Xpectar. So don't go out and run and buy it, but I'm a little late to the game on that one. But I do believe that on the XRPL ledger, that's going to be potentially a big player. I like that one and I'm picking some of that up right now. Uh, so that's, that's, that's one of my, uh, most recent purchases, But um, as well as, again, uh, Cardano, XR, XDC, Algo, HBAR, and, of course, my favorite, Gala.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Johnny. Gonzo, we're going to dive into some of the misconceptions around the Ethereum merge later this episode. But we also have some fantastic connections between Microsoft and quant that we're going to bring for our listeners, as well as deep diving on some of the things that Jeremiah knows that we may not fully understand yet. What are some of the projects that you're keeping an eye on and how do you feel about Ethereum? We're approaching $1,700. People are calling for $2,200. Before we go back into a bearish market and create a lower low, what's on your mind, Gonzo?
4: Yeah, you know, I'm still watching Ethereum. I think we're going to get price appreciation as we get into the merge, as we get closer, and then we'll see what happens after that. You know, we could get that price dump immediately after. Um, and I think that's just from like what we usually see, it'll have nothing to do because all that ETH is locked up. We can talk about it later, but we know it's locked up six to 12 months after the merge, but, uh, really uh, everybody's already mentioned everything that I, you know, I, that I'm buying just like Johnny is, but what what I've been focusing on or thinking about abs is I was hoping that the pump was going to be a little bit more, right? Because what I started seeing is the narrative everybody was believing that we were going to have this crash that comes in the fall. And and that's what I like Johnny just said, but it's one of those things where if everybody in mainstream gets on that bandwagon, then the algorithm, the, 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 the makers, whatever you want to call it, they flip it on us, right? Because the market's there to wreck you, right? It always does what we least expect it to do. And so I was hoping that in this summer, uh, this rally that we would start to get uh, people start talking more about, Hey, it's over. We're going to this, we're going to 40,000. And so that we could, you know, so that people are so focused that we're moving up that they flip it on us and we go back down. Right. Cause I still think that's, what's going to happen. We have the end of Shemitah that comes on September 26. We have the eclipses that happen in October and November. So I'm still leaning towards that, but I'm definitely paying attention. And I think that's why having a dollar cost average strategy is so important because what if, right? If you continue to buy. If this ends up being the bottom and I don't think it is, but if it is, then you were able to buy at these lower prices and then we move up. Right. And so that's why it's important to have a strategy.
0: It's a a common saying in the market, Gonzo, bull markets end in euphoria and bear markets end in maximum fear. Whenever retail thinks that we're going lower, that's typically when a bear market will come to an end. And whenever retail thinks we're going higher, like we saw at 69,000 in November, that's typically when the bull market will end. So, But we have 160 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're about to dive into some of the most interesting and relevant crypto topics for today. And we have first a tweet to show you guys. Statistics show that 58% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck today, including 30% of those making over $250,000 per year. This is very, very interesting. But I want to give Jackie a chance to comment. Jackie, what does this say to you about the state of America today?
3: Gosh, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um... Especially especially that last part, $250,000 um, per year. I do believe that most – I do believe that that's you know, a pretty accurate statistic. Um, but then again, you do have to uh, notice how much Americans spend. Um, we are huge consumers um, in markets, and so – I think a lot of that. I think a lot of that. Thirty percent making over two hundred fifty thousand. You know that it it does come down to you know what you're spending your money on. But I'm not. I'm not trying to disregard that inflation prices are insane right now. Um, I do think that actually this first statistic, fifty eight percent of Americans living paycheck to paycheck, might be higher because our, you know our middle class is so big, and I think that that is. Um, a common, you know, that's the reality. Uh, most people they're struggling to pay their rent right now, put gas in their car, um, so yeah, that's that's the reality yeah. that we're living in, and it's only going to get worse.
0: What catches my attention here is the fact that if somebody's making two hundred fifty thousand dollars and they're unable to figure out a way of living below that amount. There's a problem with your financial literacy there. Jeremiah, I'd love to go to you next. Showing that 30% of Americans who are making over 250000 are living paycheck to paycheck, I think it's a good indicator about how much money retail investors really have to invest in these types of markets. And it's another example of why we always say 2023 is going to be the year of institutional adoption, and it's going to drive us into that bull run, which we're anticipating in 2024. What are some of your thoughts on these statistics here?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that us in America have definitely overleveraged the amount of money that we have and what we've been spending on, especially before C19. And then when times get a little bit rough, we don't know how to adapt to those situations like a majority of the rest of the world. Um, and this right here proves it. you know everyone's credit cards are starting to get tapped in. this is leading up to some some bad news in my opinion, but I'm not surprised by this at all.
0: Awesome. And we're going to head right into our next tweet for today, which is a very interesting update showing that Solana is still investigating and unable to determine the root cause of an exploit that drained over 8,000 wallets on their network. We were only able to find the exact amount of cash that was drained, but it's rumored to be somewhere between five and $20 million. Gonzo. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts here. Gonzo. I mean, sorry, Solana has always made me nervous. And Kevin O'Leary has been very prominent about Solana being one of the currencies that could be massive over these next five years but I've never had a great feeling around it. What are some of your thoughts about Solana and this hack here?
4: You know, this is just another story uh, or, you know, in the saga of Solana, right? Uh, we, you know what I was surprised at, but then when I looked into it, I guess I wasn't that surprised is that we didn't get a price done. And that just goes to show kind of how centralized Solana is when it comes to who holds it, right? Because it's mostly venture capital. It's mostly the team. And so what's causing it not to crash is that because if retail was holding this, then I think we would've gotten a price dump, right? But the fact that they're holding it is they're just holding strong, right? Because they understand that they're not gonna cause a panic, they're gonna hold, right? And they're gonna dump it probably later. But um, yeah, uh, I, I don't know the details of the hack yet, but um, it, it just shows you to me, what it showed me is exactly like what I said, how centralized it is. When it, and, you, and if you we've seen these charts before, we've shown them here on the show. About the, the tokenomics of Solana and how much is held by venture capital. And all this means is that they're just holding strong and they're not dumping it, right? So we'll see what happens. But I was shocked that the price pretty much held. I think it only dropped a percent.
0: Jeremiah, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts around Solana. I don't believe you've done a threat on them yet. So, what are some of your thoughts on this project? And do you think it's going to be one of the survivors after regulation and comes into this market?
1: Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Solana personally. Um, they've definitely stressed. Speed over security, and that's just – that's not how you do it in this market, especially when it comes to retail and when it comes to indu- industries that want to rely on blockchain. Solana is not the way to go, and to me, it might be successful, but I'm not taking that gamble personally.
2: Yes, yeah.
0: Johnny Crypto, I'd love to hear from you, my friend.
2: I totally agree with, with Jeremiah there. I, I, this is why I love Charles Hawkinson. This is why I love Cardano. He took it slow. He knew this is the kind of shit that happens when you don't go slow in technology. And rather than force it out there down everybody's throat so they could fail in their faces, he went slow about it. and He got got bashed for it, but he's doing the right thing. Whereas Solano took the completely opposite approach, right? We're just going to get it out there and we'll fix the problems when they're out there. You can't do that because you lose credibility every time you have issues, and especially issues like this where all of a sudden your money's just gone. <laughs> That's a big issue, right? That's something like you don't I don't know how you can recover from something like that. It just makes zero sense to me, but yet there is some affection or affiliation or love between solano and the elites i haven't figured it out but they all it's because
4: there's so much money tied up all that venture capital money they can't let it fail and that's why they love it so much
2: right so you know what they're trying to do they're probably trying to prop it up so they can get out at a major loss and they're going to dump it and this thing's going to flail um but i don't trust it at all i don't have any solano i don't want any solano i'll stick with my cardano baby
0: Johnny Crypto, speaking of people that may that a lot of people may not trust, we have an article talking about how Michael Saylor has just stepped down as the CEO of MicroStrategy. But before we dive into that, we got 182 live listeners out there. Show us yeah. some love, drop kick, smash that like button. We got our special guest Jeremiah on the episode today. So we're going to be covering some quant and XDC content. Stick around for that important information. Our next article is Michael Saylor is stepping down as MicroStrategy CEO, but will remain as an executive chair on the board of directors. So Bitcoin's maximalist, Michael Saylor, has announced that he will be stepping down as chief executive of MicroStrategies, the business intelligence firm that he f- helped co-found in 1989. MicroStrategy said that Saylor would assume a new role of executive chair at the company, while President Poe Lee will become the CEO. These changes are expected to take effect on August 8th, And I believe that splitting the roles of chairman and CEO will enable us to better pursue our two corporate strategies of acquiring and holding Bitcoin and growing our enterprise analytics software business. Mr. Johnny Crypto, we've always talked about Michael Saylor, and we took in some heat for it on this show, but we're completely objective. We have not been Bitcoin maximalists, and I don't even think a lot of us own Bitcoin in our group, but what are some of your thoughts about this, and how do you feel about Michael Saylor stepping down during this bear market?
2: I think collectively among all of us, if we own 0. .00001 Bitcoin, it's a lot. But everybody thinks we're maximum, so it's hilarious. You know, in terms of this article, you know, this is your typical FUD article where it makes it look like he's getting booted because he made a bad decision on Bitcoin. And the reality is, he didn't. What he's doing, and this is what's great when you're the CEO of a company. He's like, screw this. I'm going to give you guys the shit job. You guys go and do the rest, run the daily stuff. I'm going to create a new role for myself. It focused on what I love focusing on, right? It's so I love being on the water. He loves talking and investing in Bitcoin. So what does he do? He now gets the role of just focusing purely on Bitcoin and how he's going to grow the business side of it, uh, the Bitcoin purchases or the Bitcoin business. So it's brilliant for him. This is exactly what a CEO should do um, if he has a focus and he wants to play on that one area. Why not do it? Go focus it. Put his energy there grow the business that way, and then let the other people run the boring shit that he doesn't want to do. It's perfect. I would do it right now. It's brilliant, brilliant idea. Again, love Sailor. He's very brilliant.
0: Gonzo, Michael Saylor in 2009 lost $6 billion in one day because of faulty investments before. And people have criticized him for years since that day, calling him a quote-unquote idiot for now maximizing his opportunity within Bitcoin. What do you think this move says about where the state of Bitcoin is today? Do you think this is a a good strategic move for micro strategies? Or is it what crypto Twitter is saying that this is negative for Bitcoin? Um,
4: So from their perspective, I think it's a good move because... If you think about it, every time he did an interview, all he talked about was Bitcoin, right? And you almost forgot that MicroStrategy actually is a company, right? They do analytics software, all right? Customized analytics software for these billion-dollar companies. And so it, from their perspective, it's smart that they kind of separate so that he can just focus on the Bitcoin thing. And then Fung Lee, either Fung Lo, I think his name is something like that, can focus on actually MicroStrategy. Because if, you know, if all they do is focus on Bitcoin… Then how are they going to continue to make capital from what you know what what where they you know how they make their money I should say right so from from their perspective um, I think it's smart Uh, you know we don't know Uh, it could be I've heard other rumors that you know uh, with us being in a bear market he kind of put a target on their backs and and so maybe this will take some of the focus off of the company so they're not going after them to liquidate them right Um, but I don't see how you kind of separate the two. Because he was the CEO for so much longer. But, uh, you know, it's really interesting. I also heard a really crazy thing this morning that there's like this kind of urban legend rumor thing. I don't know if you guys ever heard of this, that actually the banks own Bitcoin and that he's like kind of a plant to um, keep people like he's got that whole maximalist agenda uh, because it's actually banks that are behind Bitcoin. I don't know if I believe that, but it was a pretty interesting kind of conspiracy theory that I heard this morning.
0: So that is really interesting, Gonzo. I haven't studied that, but if I had to give my best guess, I would hope that's not the case. I do want to hear from Jeremiah because what catches my attention in this article is that Sailor is going to focus on Bitcoin acquisition strategy and related Bitcoin advocacy initiatives in his role as executive chair. So basically, he switched from CEO of MicroStrategy to now full-time promoter of Bitcoin. I think it's only fitting. I do want to remind our listeners, MicroStrategy owns just under 130,000 Bitcoin. Jeremiah, what does this article say to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you guys hit, hit it on the nail with a lot of their strategies. And I think it's smart if it's in the best interest of Sailor as well. I do want to say... Michael Saylor is very consistent. He is consistent with what he believes in. He's probably a little stubborn, but I give him that because he can be thrown a lot of things in his face and he still fights it to this day, which I, I respect
0: that, you know. If there's anything I can respect, it's a man who stands by his word, even if he is a little bit lunatic. He comes off like a little bit of a lunatic. It was really funny. I was looking at Mike Novengratz and trying to deep dive on what he knows about Gary Gensler yesterday, and I was reminded of the fact that he has a Luna tattooed on his left bicep. So it is pretty funny that a lot of these guys who have the majority of sharehold within this market – they don't know where this market's going. Why would he tattoo a project that was destined to fail? Jackie, I'd love to hear some closing thoughts here. What does this article tell you about where Bitcoin is today and some of your thoughts on what MicroStrategy is doing?
3: Um, I I kind of was thinking about the, uh, not really conspiracy theory, but the the interesting perspective that Gonzo had brought up. Um I don't know. Cause I guess that's, that's where my mind goes first. Like, what are they, what are they trying to do behind the scenes? <laughs> right. Um, but no, I agree with all the comments that were said um, And you know, I don't think uh, that, This will kind of decouple Michael Saylor from from Bitcoin at all. Um, I mean, like we said, that's that's now his main role focus, but I still think that, you know, the fact that he pushes it so hard that he's so consistent on Bitcoin, I don't think that people's eyes will deter from that. So that is a good thing um, when it comes to the crypto space.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Jackie. And we're going to dive into our next article for today, which is actually a quant-related article. So Jeremiah, I'd love to start with you. Quant customer and quant user Nexi, the largest payment provider in Europe, has just partnered with Microsoft. And this is the second tie to Microsoft that we've seen from Quant. As quant customer and user Oracle, the second largest IT enterprise in the world, has also partnered with Microsoft. We've been huge advocates of quant even before this bear market, but to see it perform well during this time is very reassuring. Jeremiah What do you think about some of these connections? And maybe you can speak about the real-world problems that Quant is solving today.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: So something I do want you guys to realize
1: is that what Quant is doing is it's connecting the legacy system to the future system. So all the older things, all the older Microsofts, all these older systems, they need an upgrade, and Quant is the connection that can connect them into the future. The Overledger OS, that kind of technology is so much bigger than everyone realizes, Plus, they have multi-ledger applications or dApps, so they call them maps or mDApps. And those kind of grab, you know, things from the legacy system, which is the older systems with the newer systems, and they combine them and kind of of Frankenstein them into whatever they need them to be, which can run on all systems. So the over-ledger is on top of everything. And I think building up these more partners, more and more partners, especially with Microsoft and all these uh, newer blockchain systems XDC Oracle um, I think that's what they're doing is they're just connecting everything into one big spider web
0: it's so exciting because I think we're at a very unique time coach JV when I first came across his content talked about how this shift we're taking that's taking place now this financial shift from Fiat to digital it happens once every 400 years and the last time we saw it happen was when we shifted from gold Into fiat. And I think quant is going to play a massive role, not only in connecting metaverses, but inevitably when we have a global central bank digital currency environment, quant's going to play a huge role in connecting all of these different blockchains and allowing for them to be interoperable. And I think that's what you were just talking about there. I do want to pick your brain before we kick it around the group about one other project that we're consistently talking about, and that is HBAR. HBAR is one of these projects that when you dive into it and you figure out the partnerships as well as the governing council, there's some really exciting names involved. Names such as Google, Boeing, IBM. Maybe you can talk about why you're so bullish on HBAR and what are the most important things you look at when you talk about that project?
1: Oh, yeah. I love me some HBAR. HBAR is, I call it the, cor- the corporate coin. So it has its hands in so many different corporations, as you just named, you know, add-on universities, manufacturing, telecommunication, aerospace and hold me to this. I'm telling you guys right now, I do think either Tesla or SpaceX will be on this governing council. I think it maxed out at 39. I, I, I have my speculations. There's been some weird Elon Musk tweets here and there, which I probably should have sent you before I said that, (laughs) but, uh, you I know what's do. awesome
0: about that, Jeremiah, though, and I'm going to kick it right back to you, is that yeah. people always people often ask, why is Elon Musk promoting Dogecoin? Doesn't he know about these ISO tokens and XRP and XLM? Of course he does. Ex- Elon Musk first made his money from founding PayPal, and many of those members of the original nine members of the PayPal mafia are some of the most prominent figures in the cryptocurrency market today. So I did want to point that out.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And these people with a lot of money, they know what's going on. They've d- They've studied enough. They – it's – I see it all as a show, honestly. Sorry. But yeah, just to swing back to HBAR. So it's the Governing Council, which is 27 members, and they're growing. They, I think they maxed out at 39. So with HBAR, they're using HBAR as a currency between all of their all of their um, dApps that are being created. And we don't know 100% if all these Governing Councils are using HBAR to build their um, digital ledger technology on top of, but it's very, very speculative that they are. So whenever you have Google Cloud using their storage for HBAR, and you got Boeing, who is trying to do unmanned aircraft using distributed ledger technology, you have IBM, who's trying to connect different systems, and you have you know LG, who's trying to compete with Apple and Samsung. Whenever you have these different governing council mem- members, diving into DLT, and they run a node for Hedera, and there's only 27 of them, it's pretty obvious that they're using that technology. Plus, their CEO has came out and said that they all are using. To what extent, we don't know. We don't really know any of it, but it is the corporate coin. I do see as these
0: corporations start building into Web3, Hedera will rise with it. That's amazing, Jeremiah. We got 190 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I do want to hear some of Johnny Crypto's opinions here. We always talk about many of these DeFi projects, but HBAR is one that seems to rise to the top of our conversations. What are some of your thoughts on what Jeremiah had to say and some of the amazing facts he presented about the Governing Council?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think HBAR is one of those, again, that is going to have its place to play. I know people are very, very high on that one. For me, to be honest with you, my biggest one, I'm, I'm much higher on quant if I had to choose between the two. To me, I think quant is the enabler that makes everything happen. Just the way I talked about in the past, TCPIP has really unlocked the Internet and the web to grow, to be what it is today. If it wasn't for that, nobody would be communicating with each other. And so that was what I believe quant is going to be to uh, the tra- As we transition from Web 2.0 to 3.0, that's why I love it so much, and uh, I wish I had more of it. <laughs> I'm going to continue to buy it as we can. Uh, it's not cheap, but I certainly think it's going to be, that. that's the one that I really, really get super excited about apps. I'm bringing those with me way into the future. Gonzo, there's a reason they say billionaires are built in the bear
0: market, and it's because of all the fundamental utility that's being built in the background. Although the price charts are more bearish than ever, it seems that the news behind the scenes, whether it's Ripple, HBAR, Quant, the list goes on and on. All of these projects are not only innovating, but expanding. So I do think this is one of the most interesting times to get into this market. How are you operating today? Just talk about maybe how during a bear market, retail is more fearful than ever, but you're actually being presented a much better opportunity than just six months ago.
4: Yeah, you know, we talk about this all the time. Like, you have to go opposite, right? Uh, like, Johnny talks about this with the fear and greed index, right? When people are greedy, like, that's when you sell, right? When people are fearful, that's when you buy, right? We're, we're not going to see these prices again until the next bear market. And because the total market cap of crypto, as it gets, um, you know, adopted, that, that these lows... We we might not see these kind of lows again, right? Especially for things like, you know, HBAR, ALGO, um, some of the other ISO tokens. We might not get an opportunity again in the next bear market after we go through a full bull run just because of the adoption curve and where we're going to be at, right? But I definitely, you know, love HBAR. I I think Jeremiah is right. I've seen interviews with, you know, the CEO where he talks about like the, the, the council. And I think when it first started, they were kind of just trying to get it going. But as they've added uh, more council members and they're getting to the end, they're being more selective on those partnerships. And I think it is because they're looking for a use case for HBAR within those companies. Right. They've kind of hinted to it. They haven't said it. But I definitely believe that. Right. Because they're being more selective. Um, The only thing that I mean, it would be awesome for SpaceX, um, you know, and, and Elon to join the council. But what I would hate is that whole shit that happens with like Doge where he talks about it and the price goes up and the down. Like that, that, that drama, like I really don't want that for HBAR because, you know, we want sophisticated investors because that's what causes the price volatility is unsophisticated investors, right, that are buying and selling, that are fearful, that are greedy, right? You want some more stability in the price. And actually, when you look at it, the price of HBAR should actually be probably like double. We talked about this with Bearable Bull where, um, you know, they added more tokens to the token supply, and that's what cut it down. But better get their Band-Aid ripped off now than in the future, right, when we have bigger price appreciation. And I, I kind of have a special place in my heart for Ace because it's actually the first time I pulled profits. I was following um, uh, uh, Waters Above, and he, and he called what the potential top could be, and I put in a sell order, and I was able to pull profits and then put that into another crypto. So uh, it was pretty awesome. I think it was like 59 cents.
0: That's awesome. And Jackie, I do want to hear from you. We're about to dive into our next article, which you sent our group last night, talking about how Bitcoin is now going to be added as an ISO compliant token through the XDC network. And this is just another example of how Bitcoin is going to continue to adapt in order to be utilized in the future. We have 199 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I do want to go back to Jeremiah really quickly because when we talk about HBAR, we do talk about the fact that new, new tokens have been added to the market cap. The same thing has happened with Algorand. How do you feel about projects that continue to add tokens to the circulating supply? And is that a red flag for you? Um.
1: That's a complicated question. <laughs> so, I would say with the growing, the way that this technology is growing and the way that this technology is branching out, and the more and more people that are paying attention to it, I think it's necessary to a certain extent. Now, another project we haven't really talked about is Casper. I love Casper, but I don't like the fact that they don't have a max supply. Mm, that, you know, exactly. it's and governing councils, they keep every project will say the governing council can change it. They're saying that, you know, it can be voted, you know, all these situations about how they can limit that from being a problem. But to me, it still kind of is a problem. Like, Quant is maxed out. Quant you will never have anymore. And I think I think the uh, executive team only holds less than 10% of Quant. So that's why I really love Quant. Um, but to answer your question more directly, no, but... I'm going to be keeping my eye on a lot of these cryptos that keep expanding their token count because you can only go so far.
0: Yes, and one of the things that caught my attention, you mentioned it yourself, with Quant, is that there's only 14.6 million tokens that will ever be issued. And right now, every token is going for about $100. I remember that when Quant reached $400 per token, the total market cap was still just $4 billion. That is drops in a bucket in liquidity. But Johnny Crypto, I know you got some thoughts, my friend. The floor is yours.
2: Well, actually, I totally agree 100% with Jeremiah. I'm always about looking at coins and which ones have max supplies <clears throat> so that they can't inflate them on us and print them like the U.S. dollar, right? But then there was a situation, and Jeremiah, you're probably familiar with this, with Wads Pay, where supposedly they also had a fixed amount max coin supply and it wasn't supposed to ever go higher, and then they went higher. So I'm, I'm, I'm starting to wonder how valid the max coin supply is because you know it is supposed to be one of those things where, um when there is a, a supply max, you, you need a number of folks to 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 vote on it to change it. And yet, you know, if it's max supply, it should never be allowed to be changed. And yet, Wadspay did that. So I was just curious, on Jeremiah, do you have any thoughts on how they were able to get away with that?
1: I knew Wadspay was going to get brought up here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sorry, man. It's, it just fit the topic at the yeah, time. Yeah, for
1: sure. For sure. See, well, that, and, you know, after saying that about Quant, that does make me a little nervous about Quant because they are an ERC-20. And, you know, you can see it how you want. Quant isn't technically a blockchain. It connects all the blockchains is what it does. So it being an ERC-20 is not a big problem. But as adoption starts setting in, what's going to happen to Quant? Are they going to stay ERC-20? So that's always kind of nerve-wracking about that. But just to kind of wrap up with the WADs Pay thing, I think Wazpay is a great company. I think the technology is the same. Everything. They just hired eight people in the last two weeks. I mean, they're a business that's growing, but they, I think, after they consulted with Algorand, Algorand told them kind of slapped them in the face and said, "You can't do what you're trying to do with what you're with what you have. You can't just be a bridge asset. You have to build your own blockchain." And you know, as investors and earlier investors, they didn't consult anybody. They didn't talk to anybody. They just slapped it on the table and said, "Hey." We're getting rid of all of our ideas and we're going to create our own blockchain our own layer one and then we're going to bridge into algorand and XTC without the you know without anybody knowing and that right there i think that miscommunication and the executive team of watts failed heavily on that mm-hmm. and i think they are still failing on that because i've reached out on multiple platforms to multiple executive members on you know an interview on amas anything just to get that communication and bridge the community with the corporation but their business model is we're going to build our business and then we will kind of break down into the tokenomics but yeah they their 125 million coin supply was not going to do what they needed it to do so they listed up to 1 billion with 500 million circulating it's a very interesting System they got, they converted to p o a which is proof of authority, I believe, kind of like v if you're familiar with how v works, so they're kind of working along those sides, but yeah, it sucks, and I think that we're in that weird stage of a lot of these early adopter you know blockchains are taking advantage of this period to either dump more coins into the market, adapt their strategies or or you know um, better their technology, like ethereum. I think right now is the time where the past was the past and the future is a whole different picture than what they imagined. And they're adapting to those and they're using this, this um, bear market as an advantage to do so.
0: Thank you, Jeremiah. And I do want to follow you up, put you on the spot with one more question here, my friend, because we have a very interesting comment from one of our loyal listeners. Quant says they're a chain agnostic, which to him is a red flag because why not build your own chain? I do know I have a rebuttal to that question, but I'd love to give you the floor. What are some of your thoughts? Maybe just a quick response.
1: Yeah, just quick response. Um, they're not a blockchain but they connect blockchains I don't think having their own blockchain is even necessary it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be any advantage to them to do so uh, quant as an actual token is just like payment to get into the multi-ledger tokens get into the multi-ledger uh, dapps I don't think a blockchain is necessary for them personally
2: awesome and Johnny crypto you have any quick comments there as well I couldn't agree with him more. It doesn't need to be a blockchain. It needs to be a bridge. That's what it's in. We already have a shit ton of blockchains that don't talk to each other. Why do we want to create another one? We want to create a bridge between all of them. That's what its purpose and intention is for. I don't see it as a red flag at all as well. I totally agree.
0: Awesome. And we got 200 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're about to show you an article sent directly from Jackie talking about how Impel has added Bitcoin to ISO0022 messaging Sorry, financial messaging on the XDC network. That is always a mouthful for me to get through. But new cross-chain bridge on durability, Bridge, is providing more robust options for instant settlement. Impel is pleased to announce today that Bitcoin has been added to its ISO financial messaging API as optional collateral for making payments. This is very interesting. Let me just mute Johnny K real quick. This enables BTC to be used as instant settlement process for traditional banking services and other organizations that utilize ISO messaging standards. What I do want to focus on here is not only the fact that BTC is going to be able to be utilized within the XDC network, it's what XDC has actually been building throughout this entire bear market. It's one of the tokens I would love to accumulate more. But before we dive into the depth of this article, maybe you can talk about some of the problems that XDC is solving, Jeremiah. Got to put you on the spot again.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. XDC is my baby. I love me some XDC. And, you know, I'll just hit on a couple of, you know, headlines from the last couple of months. Number one, and I think you guys covered the documentation between London and Singapore using XTC and the MLETR adoption, I believe, you know, with the Queen's Speech and all that stuff. It's all being ran through XTC. They just released the Trada token or Trada token. I don't know how it's pronounced, which they're the first security tokens being put on the XTC network as XRC20. So, and then you have Impel, which is what we're talking about now. But before I dive into Impel a little bit more, they are also, um, you know, they're sponsored sponsored by DC United, which is really cool as well. And what else do we got for XTC? Uh, they are a hybrid blockchain, which is not common. So the hybrid blockchain, which is a private and public uh, blockchain. So you can do things on both sides of it. Awesome. Um, go ahead.
0: Well, oh, that's very cool. And I'd love to hear from Jackie next. Jackie, when you sent this article to me last night, it really caught my attention the fact that they're creating ways for Bitcoin to. Be utilized within this new ISO messaging system. What are some of the things that caught your attention within this article? And then we can dive into how XDC and Bitcoin, well, this is a solution for interoperability.
3: Yeah, I love um, one of the things that caught my attention was kind of the later on in the article when they discussed um, adding Bitcoin um, as. An option to add as collateral um, to the messages payload for instant settlement. You know that's that's a big issue um, that we see nowadays. And so the fact that they're able to kind of um, solve that issue uh, with using, how did they phrase it? Their um, let me see really quick their lock mint burn unlock method. I think that that you know that's that's genius. I saw a little a few comments um, from some people in the chat mainly. Uh, Justin, I think it was Justin's comments. Yes, Justin G. About um, you know about about Bitcoin in this sense. Um, you know the fact that they're able to kind of solve this problem um, using using direct network to network. I think that it's it's pretty um, kind of innovative technology. You know, a lot of people are looking at Bitcoin. A lot of people are looking um, at the fact of actually utilizing Bitcoin um, during you know payment method. So which you know, to us, that's kind of wild to us. We, we consider it a store of value, but the fact that they're able to use that as collateral, I think that that's kind of big news. It's big news. The fact, um, and I use that word news, um, because, you know, do we actually consider if it will be used as payment in the future, if people are just going to sit on it, I don't know, but to be using it as collateral, I think that that is, um, you know, that, that news play is, is something to, not really bat your eyes at.
0: Definitely, Jackie. I do think it's noteworthy. And there's a couple of tweets, a couple of quotes I want to read before we hear from Gonzo. We see this bridge between Bitcoin and XDC networks as an important step in creating real-world interoperability in the blockchain ecosystem. No intermediaries or relay networks are involved as assets are transferred directly from source chain to destination chain. The XBTC can then be used as collateral for ISO payments, which is very exciting. And Gonzo, I know you're going to have some thoughts about this, but we always talk about how many of these tokens are connected to Ethereum and XDC is another ERC-20 token. Do you have any thoughts about that as well as the rest of the news in this article?
4: No, yeah. you know, And we understand because I think there was a comment about uh, Bitcoin not being... Um, ISO twenty thousand twenty two compliant. Of course it's not, right? But what it's doing is it's it's like Jackie was saying, it's it locks it into the its network and then it mints it on the other side of XDC, right? So it makes it so that you can use it in the ISO 2002 messaging system and then use it as collateral in that system. And that's super bullish for XDC, right? There are a lot of people that believe in Bitcoin that use Bitcoin and it's gonna bring them over into this network. Right. And, and I think the key to everything is interoperability, right? Because um, that is the future, right? That's why we love Quant, because it's a bridge between the different blockchains, because that's where we're going to go in the future. There isn't going to be one winner, there's going to be uh, multiple winners, right? Um, and, you know, you guys all know how I feel about Ethereum, right? Uh, but like XTC is one of those things that, um, you know, is compatible, it's EVM compatible, right? A virtual Ethereum virtual machine compatible. That's why a lot of these blockchains are EVM compatible is because of where Ethereum is going. Uh, But uh, yeah, super bullish on XTC and and what they're building.
2: We all know that Gonzo is an Ethereum maximalist. And I know one maximalist that's super happy today after reading this article. And that's got to be Michael Saylor. You know, as you continue to build use cases for, you know, for Bitcoin and XTC for, for him. I'm sure this has got him a little excited. I mean, that's what we want to see is we, we've been saying on the show for the longest time. We're going to see a bunch of systems coexist until some point. So in the beginning, it's going to be a bunch of systems that coexist. And then eventually one or two that are going to be proving themselves to be the highest um, efficiency and lowest cost is probably going to knock all the rest out. But that's going to be way, way down the road. So I think short term. You'll see a bunch of different ISO coins and technologies exist. And then eventually we'll find one or two winners probably by 2030. So make sure you got all your horses in the race. And uh, sooner or later, you only need one or two to hit.
0: Awesome. Johnny Crypto, we're going to come right back to you, but we got 214 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Our next article is a little bit of a bearish article, but it's something we've referenced on our show for quite a while. As Robinhood's crypto division is fined $30 million by New York financial regulators, Robinhood has been fined $30 million for alleged violations of anti-money laundering and cybersecurity regulations. As the business grew, Robinhood Crypto failed to invest in proper resources and attention to develop and maintain cultures of compliance. This sounds like an SEC article here. Johnny Crypto, why don't you get us started off, and then we'll kick it around the group.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not too sure the inner intricacies or details of what happened here. Obviously, it sounds like either they did something illegal, right, and then they're they're being caught up on the fact that they didn't have policies and procedures in place to prevent it. Uh, either way, what were they getting? Thirty million? You said was the penalty. I mean, I, I I don't know what the, the penalty yep. is. $30 million, $30 million
0: dollar fine. And then in 2021, the trading firm was also fined $70 million by the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. And that was the largest fine ever issued by FINRA for failing to protect customers. But Johnny Crypto,
2: right back to you. But I believe that if I read somewhere, I don't know if they made a, uh, if it was one, I think they made like a billion dollars of profit somewhere. So they don't even give you 70 million. is like, oh, they just, that's like when you drop like 10 cents out of your pocket, right? They don't even care. It's peanuts. It's a rounding error if you make that kind of money. But to me, this is one of those things that this is where, you know, we need to get these things fixed. We need to make sure policies and procedures are in place because one of the biggest things we keep hearing about all the time is that crypto is, money laundering and use for money laundering and the last thing we want to have is continued narratives about that uh it's good to see that they're putting pieces in place and these companies should get fined if they're not doing what they're supposed to do to protect investors
0: johnny you brought up something interesting which is they made about a billion dollars the crypto constituted about 25 percent of the company's transaction based revenue now i'm not sure if that's a billion dollars could be more could be less but it's going to be a huge chunk of cash gonzo what does this article
4: say to you and then we'll kick it to jeremiah yeah, you know, I, I don't like Robinhood. I'm not a believer of it. I know they created their new wallet. I don't even know if it's out because I don't monitor it. But, um, you know, this just goes to show like what happens in bull runs when companies are getting all this liquidity into them and they're going too fast and then they miss things like this, right? Like I think the first fine was because they didn't protect the investors and the other one had to do with money laundering. So that could have been something is, something they did wrong. Or maybe even something that they didn't report, right? That they're supposed to be reporting certain things over a certain amount, especially in New York City where you have the most strict like guidelines when it comes to money laundering and all this thing. Um, and we all know about like the attorney general over there, um, how they've gone after cryptocurrency. So um, yeah, I, I don't really like Robinhood, so it is what it is.
0: Uh, Jeremiah, we've always been wary about these exchanges. And one of those exchanges that continues to have speculation around whether they're insolvent is Coinbase. So now that we have confirmed that Robinhood, Mentalex said something very important. Robinhood showed us who they were in 2021. Believe them. And we do. They've, they've never been for the consumer. They've always been for the profitable business. But what are some of the exchanges that you actively trust? Maybe some that you're wary of.
1: Yeah. And just to kind of tag on to the Coinbase thing, I think, I think Coinbase at some point in time will turn into more of a bank than it will an exchange, but that's kind of more down the line. Whenever you know crypto adoption kind of starts setting in, I think, I think that's the route that they are going to go instead of just being an exchange. Um, as far as actual exchanges that I use, I do prefer Dex, Dexes, Dex swaps kind of swap tokens in and out. I onboard through Coinbase, even though we just talked about that, <laughs> um, but um, I would say Bitrue is probably my favorite just because it has a variety of coins. And um, I would say Bitrue is probably the, the route that I go.
0: Awesome. Another one that catches my attention is FTX. But Jackie, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on this article. We've never really trusted Robinhood. And I think all of us has talked about that on our channel. Initially, when Robinhood offered crypto services, you were only able to buy a contract that said Robin owed you that asset. If I was buying Bitcoin, I wouldn't actually own the Bitcoin. I would add, I would own a contract that says Robinhood owes me that Bitcoin. So we never like that. But what are some of your thoughts about Robinhood and maybe some of the exchanges that you're using?
3: Yeah, that was the main issue. I avoided Robinhood um, from the very beginning. You didn't actually own your crypto um, or weren't able to own your crypto, right? Um, being able to pull it off from an exchange. Um, so I avoided it from the beginning. That was actually kind of how I kind of scanned people who i was talking to who said they were into crypto i would ask them what exchanges they were using and then they would mention oh yeah i bought it on robinhood then i'd you know kind of just like oh have a good day you know <laughs> so um that was i i use robinhood as kind of a scan for that um a lot of exchanges that i use i do really like um i like huobi i like um i do like kucoin i know a lot of people have their issues with kucoin but Man, the ability to get in on some on some floor projects uh, with KuCoin and then also transfer it like within that day, uh, transfer in and out of KuCoin is kind of unbeatable. Uh, Crypto.com just kind of put a 24 hour limit to being able to transfer your funds once transferred in. So that's kind of that's kind of an issue, especially if you like to move around a lot like I do. Um, So those are some of the those are some of the exchanges that I use. Awesome. Thank you, Jackie. And we're about to show our listeners
0: an update on the Ethereum Merge, but we got 215 people listening to Johnny Crypto on this beautiful Wednesday. Show us some love and smash that like button. We have our special guest at Crypto on Twitter. Does amazing threads. If you're looking to learn more about HBAR, Algorand, Quant, XRP, XLM, the list goes on and on. I've gone through a bunch of them. We're going to dive into this news today, which is a lot of the misconceptions around the Ethereum Merge Gonzo, you're the perfect guest for this show. I'd love to read some of these tweets and just have you rebuttal them, right? First misconception, the merge will reduce gas fees. Maybe you can talk about the truth behind that statement.
4: Yeah, that is not true, right? Because the upgrade happens to the consensus mechanism or the consensus layer of Ethereum. So all that means is that it's going from proof of work to proof of stake. Um, It does not reduce gas fees. That'll happen later on in the other upgrades. That happens to the other layers uh, when you do sharding.
0: Another misconception is that transactions are going to be notably faster after the merge. This is another false claim. Maybe you can
4: talk about that. Um, They're going to go up a little bit, but not significantly. I think it goes from like 10 to 15 a second to maybe like 1500 a second. But again, it doesn't happen until the sharding mechanism comes in. And then along with the purge, when they start dumping and they make it a little bit more streamlined for the nodes and they dump some of the old data, uh, it kind of speeds it all up.
0: Awesome. And then the last misconception around this Ethereum merge is that you will be able to withdraw your staked Ethereum once the merge occurs. We know there's going to be a release schedule. Maybe you can talk about that last misconception.
4: Yeah, like they've already said, like they, there's not even an exact date. It's 6 to 12 months after the merge is complete that you can start unstaking, and it's going to roll out through an upgrade. And even then, because they don't want everyone to unlock at the same time and then dump it, there's a schedule. So they're going to they're, they're going to control it, right? Um, So yeah, that's absolutely not true. Awesome, and we then should have some-
3: made that into a game show. Abs, <laughs> Sure or false, uh, Yeah, Isn't that can be really? our first <laughs> segment.
4: Jeremiah, <laughs> you're yeah, in that We're She's doing done the done same thing about H five. <laughs> is <laughs> Ethgate is Ethgate real? One hundred percent. Right? Yeah. Was it a security? Yes, it was. Is that going to stop me from investing in it? Absolutely mm-hmm. not. That is the perfect place to end
0: it, Gonzo, because we're about to show our listeners some amazing information about XRP and how it may be the secret sauce for our financial system. If you've enjoyed this episode on us, deep diving on all these amazing topics, please show us some love, smash that like button, let the algorithm pump this video out to as many listeners as possible. With that being said, we're going to dive into this video and get some comments from the group. Here we go. XRP, uh, which is not owned by
2: Ripple. XRP uh, is not a by
0: Is that audio too difficult, guys? Yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. So basically what he's saying is that XRP is not owned by Ripple. Although Ripple does create a lot of the utility for the actual token, it is not a security, and it's going to be the secret sauce in providing liquidity between central bank digital currencies. So those are the cliff notes. Jeremiah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how XRP is going to be fundamental to the financial system once we have central bank digital currencies.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think... I think central bank digital currencies will be kind of like side chains on XRP, uh, which you need the liquidity in XRP to move those CBDCs around across these side chains. Um, XRP, I I think, is building beautiful rails. Now, I don't think they're going to be the number one coin in the world. I don't believe any of that kind of stuff. Um, I do think they have a huge part to play, considering the fact that that is what they were made for. Um, even if you go to the website, there's a button you can click that says create C B D C. So the ability to create C B D C is really easy, fast, and fair. Security, I think, is is going to be a big part with where XRP plays.
0: Johnny Crypto, we have a great tweet from Ashish Burla here saying there's a lot, there's not another solution out there that does messaging and settlement instantly like Ripple. And so our solution is now a lot bigger than what Swift does. This tweet you may think, or sorry, this statement you may think, is this relevant? This is from May of 2022. Ripple's doing more than ever before behind the scenes, and we're constantly covering on our channel. What are some of your thoughts about this quote here, Johnny K?
2: Oh, no, he's spot on with it, and and uh, but I do agree with Jeremiah. I don't think um, there's going to be one single – I think when, we, when I first got into this two years ago, I was under the impression that you know XRP would be the rails for everything, and it would be the one coin to rule them all, kind of like Lord of the Rings – I think now, though, the reality is a little different. I think we are looking at a shared system. I think we're going to see a difference in or I think we're going to see systems that coexist here. And so with that being said, what kind of bothers me a bit is I would like to see more of behind the scenes news and information that that Ripple's technology is being implemented here in the U.S. And I'm not seeing that. I'm not hearing it. I don't know, Jeremiah. If you're hearing it, but we're not. What I am hearing is, you know, that some of these companies in the Federal Reserve is working with MIT to develop one, and, and it kind of rattles my brain. I'm sitting there saying, "Wait a minute, why are you working with MIT to develop uh, a CBDC system and a blockchain and a remittance system when XRP and Ripple, well, the XRP ODL already exists?" So I'm a little, I'm a little baffled. But again, I don't, under, I don't, I'm not privy to all the the development activities that are going on. Maybe they're working on developing CBDC with Ripple as to ODL. I don't know. But that's the kind of stuff I want to be hearing, and I'm not hearing it. And, uh, Jeremiah, I'm wondering if, if you are. Yes.
1: As far as Ripple, no. But I just want to piggyback off of what you said about MIT mm. because um, I forgot what his first name is, but Macaulay, the guy who created Algorand, the pure proof of stake, the guy mm. who holds multiple patents with that technology, is a professor at MIT. And I also want to say Quant has partnered with MIT and FedNow to create CBDCs. So there's definitely a combination there of what's going on. And I think Quant is bridging everything together, just like we keep talking about.
0: That's awesome. And I do think that's an amazing place to end our episode. But I do want to give our listeners a chance to just check out your Twitter account. Jeremiah, why don't you speak maybe 60 seconds about some of the work that you're doing here and some of the amazing threads that you put out on Twitter?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So at the end of the day, I just like to read about cryptos and learn them and understand them. And then I like to put them in a format where it's easy to understand. There's a lot of pictures, there's a lot of bullet points, you know, straight to the point. I like to read the articles and present them to people in a very nice, easy way to read. And uh, my next big one, my next big thread coming out is Constellation DAG. It's going to be a really good one. So definitely keep your eye out for that
0: one. That's awesome. That's going to be one that I'm checking out. And we're going to close this thing off the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Mr. Johnny Crypto. Thank you to Jackie. Thank you to Gonzo. And thank you to Jeremiah. Another amazing episode on this Wednesday. We got 207 live listeners. Show us some love and smash that like button on your way out of here. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And it's like we always say, Warriors, guys, get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us.
4: Let's go. Let's go. Love you guys. Great show.